All right, let us waste no time because we have such an agenda here at the start of today's show. Updated numbers for Democrats and Republicans in the House and Senate in what now are midterm elections that are just about six weeks away. Numbers continue to improve for Democrats in both the House and Senate, although Democrats are still not favored to win in the House. Let's look at the numbers in the 538 forecast for the Senate 2022. It is now a 71 percent chance that Democrats will win and only a 29 percent chance that Republicans will win. The most likely outcomes are Democrats maintaining a 50 50 majority because Kamala Harris would be the tie breaking vote or Democrats having a 51 to 49 advantage. The way that these numbers have changed over the last several months is directly in the favor of Democrats. As you can see, if you're looking at the screen at the beginning of June, Democrats had about a 40 percent chance of holding the Senate that has climbed steadily to a new high of 71 percent. Now, things that happen, 29 percent of the uh, sorry, things that are 29 percent likely to happen happen 29 out of every hundred times. So that doesn't mean that there is any guarantee here. But right now, the most mathematically likely scenario is Democrats holding the Senate either 50 50 or 51 to 49. Now, over in the House, the numbers are not looking as good for Democrats, but the numbers are closing in on basically a two to one likelihood of Republicans taking the House, which is far worse for Republicans than it has been at any previous point during this election cycle. Twenty eight percent chance for Democrats. And again, if we look at how those numbers have shifted over time, you will see that what was at one point a 14 percent chance for Democrats at one point, a 12 percent chance for Democrats has now surged all the way up to a 28 percent chance. Again, the most likely outcome is still that Republicans will take control of the House. But the likelihood of that has declined steadily for a period of June, July, August, three and a half months, three and a half months, as we've said before. If at this same rate, the numbers continue to improve for Democrats by Election Day, it would be close to 50 50. We don't know that that's going to happen, but that's the way the numbers look today. And the important thing is everyone must vote. Do not concede any seat. Fight for everything. Donald Trump completely face planted and humiliated himself in a disastrous new interview uh, from yesterday with right wing radio host Hugh Hewitt. Let's look at a couple moments here on a Hugh Hewitt's program. Donald Trump tried to claim that it's very common to send an alternate slate of electors to claim, oh, give our state's electoral votes to the guy who lost. The truth is, it's not common. But Trump says it as if he's telling the truth because he lies every second. They are attempting, I think, to indict people for plans to select alternative electors on one six. Have you received a target letter, Mr. President? No, I haven't at all. And frankly, uh, when you look at alternate slates, uh, that way that's been done for decades and decades, many, many years. Oh. Now, that's a lie. What has been done for decades and decades is that you have people identified and the people are aware, OK, if Biden wins, you would be you would be a Biden elector. Other people are told if Trump wins, you would be a Trump elector. What is not done is that Biden wins. The Biden electors are notified it's y'all because Biden won. And then Republicans start calling random people who were not going to be the Trump slate of electors to say, hey, what if we just show up anyway? That it is not true that that is typical. Alternate slates are, are actually common. I wasn't involved with alternate slates, but I can tell you many people have been for many, many years doing alternate slates. In fact, uh, your friend Tucker Carlson did a story on it last night. How it's have a you, standard way of, <laughs> you know, working elections. Yeah, uh, completely untrue, completely untrue. Donald Trump asked during this interview about what if the DOJ indicts you? 
And again, Donald Trump alludes to violence. Take a listen to this. This is incredible. You, you know the old saying, a uh, prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich if they want to. I'm just asking if there is such a prosecutor and they indict you, would that deter you from running for president again? I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. And as you know, if a thing like that happened, I would have no prohibition against running. You know that you've already. I do. And that's what I want people to understand. That would not take you out of the arena. It would not. But I think if it happened, I think you'd have problems in this country, the likes of which perhaps we've never seen before. Whoa. I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. What kind of problems, Mr. President? I think they'd have big problems, big problems. I just don't think they'd stand for it. They will not they will not sit still and stand for this ultimate of hoaxes. That is a threat. That is a threat from the former president to unleash his own supporters on the country. That is what that is. Um, one other uh, clip that we're going to take a look at here. Do you feel like the Department of Justice is trying to indict you, Mr. President? Well, there is no reason that they can, other than if they're just sick and deranged, which is always possible, because <laughs> I did absolutely, you've seen the legal papers, absolutely nothing wrong. And there's no reason that they can do that. And I'll tell you what, I would have said there's no way they can raid a house either, because, you know, it's Fourth Amendment stuff. And what they did is. Yeah, uh, they they. Everything was signed off on. Everything was legal. It was not an illegal search and seizure. Terrible. And uh, I don't think the people are going to stand for it. If you noticed, the poll numbers are the highest they've ever been. The people are not going to stand for this stuff. They've wept. Yeah. So then he goes back into that entire uh, entire thing. And uh, then lastly, asked about the classified documents. Trump claims he declassified, declassified everything he took to Mar-a-Lago except his lawyers are not making that argument in court because it's an absurd argument. Mr. Patel said he witnessed you giving verbal orders to declassify the papers that end up at Mar-a-Lago. Do you remember making those orders? That's correct. And not only that, I think it was other people also were there, but I have the absolute right to declassify. Yeah. And of course, as we've said before, the classification status of these documents is not relevant to all of the crimes Trump is being investigated for. You can't just look at a whole bunch of documents and say declassify. Even William Barr admitted that. But the big highlight here or low light is Trump threatening to unleash his followers on the country. That was a signal. You're not going to stand for it. You're going to go crazy in the streets if they indict me. Very dangerous stuff. Hey, this is really interesting. New Hampshire Republican Senate candidate Don Balduck last month said the election was stolen by Joe Biden and Trump won. Yesterday on Fox News, Balduck was confronted with his own comments and he denounced them and he said, you know what? I did my research. Biden won. Take a look at this. Basically against Morse, the more establishment Republican candidate, because they were basically saying that you're so extreme that they think that you're more beatable. And one of the things that Maggie Hassan, the Senate incumbent, will say is that you are an election denier, that you deny that President Biden won the 2020 election. And there's this from August 14th when you had a debate. Watch here. I signed a letter with 120 other generals and admirals saying that Trump won the election. And damn it, I stand by my election. Wow. Do you stand by that today? No. So, you know, we uh, we we, uh, you know, live and learn. Right. Um, and I've done a lot of research on this and I've spent the past couple of weeks talking to Granite Staters all over the state uh, from, uh, you know, every party. And I have come to the conclusion and I want to be definitive on this. The election was not stolen. <laughs> was there fraud? Oh. Yes. Is that a concern of Granite Staters all over the state? Yes, there is. Is there a responsibility for public servants and elected positions to ensure that our citizens have faith in their voting system? Yes. But elections have consequences. And unfortunately, President Biden is the legitimate president of this country, and he is ruining it, along with Maggie Hassan. So listen. Is it good that Balduck is willing to say this? Well, yeah, it's good because some people on Fox News might hear it. Does this represent his real and true personal belief? I have no idea. 
because the real interpretation of what Balduck is doing here is he realized that with New Hampshire voters insisting that the election was stolen and Trump actually won isn't helping him. That's fundamentally what this is about. And so it's about political expediency. My guess is Balduck never believed that Trump actually won. I think he was saying it because he thought it would help him. And then when it became clear it wasn't helping him, he stopped saying it. But it's still nice for Fox News viewers to hear that. Couple more clips to play for you. Two days ago, I told you that my pillow, Mike Lindell's phone, was seized by the FBI. A phone is a type of machine. We're doing a class action lawsuit against all machines. Yesterday, we looked at the search warrant for pillow and all of the things that were on the search warrant. And then today I just have a few clips from for you of Mike Pillow really off the rails now after this FBI seizure. Take a look at this. Here he is on Steve Bannon's show. I told the FBI <laughs> guys, Steve, I told the FBI guys, I said that you guys are going to be on my six o'clock show on Frank's speech. And uh, and they said this corrupt investigation, whatever you're trying to do. And he, they go, Mike, we're just doing our jobs. I said, yeah, I said the corruption yeah, goes back yeah. to our government. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. I want all the FBI people out there. We got whistleblowers all over the place. That phrase is not going to save you. That's what the Waffen SS said. That's what the Gestapo said to save themselves right. after 1945. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. They claim to be tough on crime. And yet they have no problem calling law enforcement Nazis. That's essentially what Bannon is saying. He's saying, oh, yeah, the FBI is saying the same thing that uh, that Nazis were saying after World War Two. Um, one other clip here about the cell phone. Well, anyway, then he says, here it comes. He goes, well, after about 25 minutes of talking, he goes, Mike, we have to take your cell phone. By the way, this is from a different interview with Charlie Kirk. And I go, you're not getting my cell phone. I said, I'd rather be arrested. I said, arrest me. You're not getting my phone. I don't even I don't use a computer. This is all of my this is my. By the way, what do you think happens to the phone if you get arrested? If you get arrested, they take all the stuff that's in your pockets. My businesses, my Lindell Recovery Network. This is my thousands of employees that I I said they rely. We all rely on this. I said, what would you need my phone for? And you can't have my phone. He goes, well, we got a subpoena right here for your phone um, signed by a judge. And I'm going. OK, um, um, I'm going to call. Can I call my attorney or one of my attorneys? He goes, no. And then he goes, he goes, I said, I can't call my attorney. And you think I'm going to give you my phone? If I don't give you my phone, am I going to be arrested? He said, no, but we are going to take the phone. I said, well, then I want to call my attorney. Finally, he says, you can call your attorney. My attorney, one of my attorneys gets on there and goes, Mike, just give him the phone. And I said, I would rather get arrested. I said, everybody relies on this. Yeah. Anyway, he doesn't seem to realize that they take your phone if you get arrested, too. Uh, and then lastly, Pillow says that at a Trump rally this weekend, he is going to, uh, I don't know, address everything in some way. To be with the, uh, the at the president, our real president's rally in Ohio on Saturday. I'm going to speak there about this. We go, now we have a unique opportunity, everybody, to spread the word, get the word out. Maybe, maybe, Steve. That just once that the media would go, um, hey, Mike, why why did they do this to you? Uh, could it be because I have all the evidence ah. and because I want to get rid of voting machines and electronic computers in our elections? That's what it is. We're doing a class action lawsuit against all machines. Anyway, so Pillow completely uh, his brain broke as a result of this seizure. And we'll see what uh, is going on next week with it. Truly incredible stuff. Monday. 919. It is membership promo day. Last chance. Get on my newsletter at davidpackman.com to get notified Monday of this beautiful membership special. Something in your home that you use every day contributes to deforestation and climate change, and that's toilet paper. In the U.S. alone, over 30 million trees each year are required to meet toilet paper demands, contributing to deforestation, soil erosion, devastating loss of biodiversity. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes sustainable toilet paper that is 100 percent made from bamboo. A bamboo stock keeps growing. 
It can be harvested forever. It means that the soil and the ecosystem aren't disrupted. No carbon removing trees are cut down. The paper industry has a massive effect on deforestation and climate change. But you alone using bamboo toilet paper can make a positive impact because for the toilet paper that just one American uses in their lifetime, hundreds of trees are required. Put an end to that right now with real paper. The best part is the stuff is really great. It's just normal soft toilet paper. Real paper loves the David Pakman show. They're giving my audience 30 percent off your first order and free shipping. When you go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman at checkout, that's R E E L paper.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman at checkout for 30% off and free shipping. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show is a community and viewer and listener supported program. I would love for you to sign up at joinpacman.com. You'll get the world famous bonus show every single weekday, as well as commercial free audio and video streams of the show. You'll get the daily show hours before everybody else gets it. And you also will be invited to the world famous members only town halls, the last of which we had uh, about a week and a half ago, which was really great. Let's hear for, uh, from some people in the audience. We are going to take some calls via discord, which you can find at davidpackmancom slash discord. Every day can be good or bad on the discord. We never know what to expect. Let's start today with Dave from New York City. Why not? Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, Mr. Pacman. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Great. Um, thank you for taking my call. This is actually my first time calling in, and I just I wasn't even sure, but you said please directly get to the question. Um, I noticed that, um, and this, this ties into my question, um, you seem to have a very good amount of sponsors on the show, um, including Blinkist and um, some others. Um, I actually did try Fume, and it's kind of working out for me. But I wanted to ask you if you have any advice for people with a pattern of self-sabotage. Uh, and this has to do with the sponsors? Well, well, I would say because um, there's Blinkist and there's privacy and there are things that I, I feel would help me and they seem to be excellent products. You're um, you're a guy who sabotages but, yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I have a pattern of self-sabotage. And I think that one of those things is recognizing the services that you've recommended and not being uh, proactive enough about following up on them, even though I think that they would help me. And that ties into a general self-sabotage issue. And I was wondering if you have any advice for people who have chronic self-sabotage patterns. Well, I think the most important thing would be to get a therapist. I mean, that's really that that would be the most important thing uh, more than anything I could say. But so in, in what ways do you sabotage yourself, like in work and in, in relationships? Um, not so much in relationships. I've, I've, um, I've always felt, and I know that I'm a great partner when mm. it comes to relationships, but, um, in terms of work, yes, sometimes, um, my, my current job, I have a certain level of freedom and I, I kind of show up where I want, when I want, 
Um, and sometimes that leads to me not showing up even though I need the money. Um, there are other issues where in terms of, I do have a therapist and I do take medication, but oh, okay. I'm not always, I'm, I'm not always wonderful about the consistency of doing so. And I just logged onto YouTube and I saw that you had a video saying taking your calls in 15 minutes and I figured I would try. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I appreciate the call. I, I want to be careful not to get out of my lane. I think you're doing exactly the right things by working with a therapist. And, and that is exactly what I would keep doing. But I'm sure you're exploring this. But I think figuring out why the self-sabotage is happening would probably be extraordinarily useful as a first step in figuring out how to control it. Thank you. Do you have any book recommendations? Because it, it sounds it sounds like you're an avid reader. Yes. On my website, go to davidpackman.com, click on recommendations, hundreds of book recommendations there by category. OK, I'll look into that. All right. Dave from New York City. Thank you so much for the call. Very much appreciate it. Let's go next to Meg from Seattle. Meg, welcome. Hi, David. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, so uh, you've probably heard the uh, the phrase that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Um, I was wondering, do you agree with that theory? Uh, no, I mean, listen, they, uh, in general, I don't agree with almost any of these overarching absolutes for such broad statements. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism. I mean, listen, you can you can argue that that's the case and you can argue that, the, you know, there there are hardcore free marketeers who say the only ethical system is free market capitalism. I find it so unproductive to argue about such overarching broad statements like I'm more interested in figuring out how can we improve the economic system we have so that it works better for more people and raises up uh, the standard of living and gets more people health care and uh, rewarding, well-compensated jobs. I, I just don't know that we get there by arguing about whether there's any ethical consumption under capitalism. To me, it's, it really seems like a distraction. I, I think that's a good point. Um, and I'm guessing you don't have time to go into, you know, what alternate, you know, uh, what alternatives, you know, you would uh, propose to, to capitalism. Like you, you said, you, you're more interested in, you know, looking at what we can do to make things better. Yeah, no, I mean, um, listen, and- Meg, the, the 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 general outlook I have is that social democracy in the style of many northern European uh, countries is the direction I would like to go. I'm OK with markets directing resources in many areas. I'm OK with there mm-hmm. being you know, a film and television live streaming uh, private industry and decisions being made by private companies about what to produce and then selling it to Netflix or Hulu or what. Like, I'm OK with that. I think that that's OK. I don't need to socialize every industry, but also we need to be uh, w- regulating industry significantly for the betterment of our planet. We need to be taxing the very rich in order to fund programs to make sure that no one drops below a certain standard of living. We need to be taking certain industries out of the market, and that includes healthcare and others. You know, I mean, that's my general view of how I would structure things to improve from where we are now. Absolutely. I mean, our economic system is just one piece, well, a very big piece, but of all the, the systems that aren't working uh, that, that are pretty broken. Right yes, now, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So like I'm more interested um, in that than like, is there ethical consumption under capitalism? Call me crazy, Meg. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, quick follow up. Um, yes. You know, I've also heard it say that, you know, that we're in like late stage capitalism. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I haven't done a huge amount of research on that specifically. But do you, do you agree? Do you think we're in late stage capitalism? Um, I, I have absolutely no idea. Is the that's you know, there's this whole movement that makes that claim. Um, I think mm-hmm. we just have to wait and see. And we things are sort of unprecedented in that modern humanity is uh, a tiny fingernail on the wingspan of how long humans have been on this planet and countries. Um, uh, the size and power of today's superpowers are also uh, 
basically unprecedented. And so we are in new territory. And I don't know, it could be that this is that that uh, we are going to continue improving on capitalism for the next thousand years. It could be that capitalism is 20 years from collapse. I have absolutely no idea. Okay. well, thank you so much for taking my call, David. Thank you, Meg. Important questions, which I very much appreciate hearing from you. Let's go next to Lucas from Massachusetts. Lucas, welcome to the program. Lucas from Massachusetts, you are muting yourself. You have to unmute yourself for me to be able to hear you. I've unmuted you, but you must unmute yourself. And last chance for Lucas from Massachusetts. You are on, but you must unmute yourself in order for me to hear you. All right. And no, Lucas, unfortunately, Lucas wanted to stay muted. Let's go to our friend who we have not heard from for so long, Eric from Cancun. Eric, welcome. Mucho gusto. Un placer como siempre. I want to tell you why I do martial arts and I try to apply it for politics. You applied all, for politics. What does that mean? Um, let me explain. First of all, I do martial arts because it's a sport and I want to keep my muscles very strong and very agile when I do the kicks and also the flips. Also because I need it to protect myself when it's dangerous. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. And also that my chief tells me that you need a balance between it's a way to learn how to be violent without being aggressive. My teacher tells me that we got to control our impulses and that would be a healthy way to to go against those impulses that we have between us an inner monster that you need to control because if you restrain yourself too much, then you become very weak and cowardly. But if you don't restrain that all, you become a jerk. Don't so you agree? The, the, if, if I understand, Eric, what you're suggesting is martial arts is a good outlet to know when and to what degree to use violence, but to be able to control it when it should be controlled. Is that right? Um, yes, kind of, because we got to say that we have our inner demons, but also our inner angels. And it would be to know when to let them, let them out and when to restrain them. Well, I think you're making some very good points. This is what you said. This is wisdom from your martial arts teacher. Um, kind of, but also with myself, my teacher hates bullies as he's not going to train anyone who wants to use violence to do whatever they want. I like that. I like that. Listen, Eric, how is Cancun these days? Is the is the tourism industry uh, f flourishing currently in Cancun? Canada, mm, I'm still managing my Airbnb. Um, here's going to be the part of politics and martial arts. Okay. There's a show in Netflix I like called Cobra Kai, which has the original cast of Karate Kid. Yes. And here's in the first part, Johnny Lawrence, he's the origin, the guy who, went, who lost against the tournament, against Daniel Russo, the one who got kicked in the face. He went to reopen Cobra Kai because he has three rules, strike first, strike hard, and no mercy. Right. I know they sound like rules of a bully, but in his context, strike first means to seize the moment, like when you want to grab the last box of Krispy Kremes from the store. Strike hard is to give your best effort, and no mercy is to not give up when you have the chance to win. All right, Eric from Cancun, you have said it all. Thank you so much for the call, my friend. And, but, okay. Okay, thank you very okay. much. There's Eric. I know Eric always has more material, but at some point we have to say that is it. Let's go next to Shelly from Indiana. Shelly, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so my question is about the Trump administration. Sure. A lot of times uh, during and after you would hear Trump supporters say uh, about all of his accomplishments but when you would ask them, what are they? A common response is, well, I'm not going to tell you, you need to do your own research. Sometimes. So I mean, sometimes is, they will, Shelley, generally say, well, look, he did the economy and he cut regulations 
And he dealt with all these great, you know, he dealt with countries and he fixed the border. You know, they'll just say things that aren't true. That's another possibility. Well, and my so my question was, were there any major accomplishments in the Trump administration that that you could actually point to? Well, I, there's a couple a couple things. I mean, I think that the First Step Act and the criminal justice reform that he did um contained some positive initiatives to some degree. You know, it's not a reason to elect the guy, but he did kind of stumble, I think, thanks to some of the people that were around him into a couple of uh, modest improvements there. I think that Trump's tax plan lowering the threshold at which medical expenses become deductible was was a good thing. You know, the tax plan overall was a disaster. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's like I can find a couple little things here and there. Okay. Um, yeah, that was it. I just, um, I, I hear a lot from people that, oh, you know, people on the left, they don't, they don't want to notice accomplishments when, when there's a Republican in office. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to acknowledge accomplishments if that's really what they are, but a lot of times it's just, they're not really accomplishments, you know, what, what do you think his biggest accomplishment was? You don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to think of them. All right, Shelly, things are okay in Indiana. They're not too insane. Nice. So it's going well. I live in the, in the Northern area. So all right. We don't see many Trump flags over here. (laughs) Shelly, you're breaking up a little bit, but it sounded like you said not too many Trump flags where you are. I really appreciate the call. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. There is Shelly from Indiana. The internet tubes must not be super wide there, which is why we were having an issue. I'm going to take a very quick break. If you are holding, don't hang up because I'm going right back to the phones in a moment. Let's talk about VPNs, virtual private networks. Even if you're using incognito mode on your browser, if you're not using a VPN, everything you do online can be recorded by your internet provider, and that is permanent because they're selling it. Search engines, social media companies are also tracking your every move. You only need one thing to protect yourself from all of it. Private Internet Access, one of our sponsors. It's a VPN. It's simple. You take a moment and you download it. You turn it on and you're protected and you stay protected. And that's it. VPNs can also keep your connection secure from hackers. Important every time you check your bank account or 401k or pension. Otherwise, it can all be out in the open. Private Internet access never records or stores user data. They've even proven this policy multiple times in court. Their software is open source to show that there's no data being logged. This transparency is why private Internet access is the VPN I use. My audience gets 82 percent off so you can stay protected for just two dollars and 11 cents a month. Plus, you'll get three months free. Go to privateinternetaccess.com slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's get back to the phones. And by phones, I mean Discord. DavidPackman.com slash Discord is the place to go. Let's go next to Seth from San Diego. Seth, welcome. What's on your mind? Hey, David. Um, I, I just wanted to ask what... Um, you know, I see a lot of these conservative ads at, uh, saying, let's get wokeness out of our military. Mm. And as someone who currently is serving the country, and this is my own personal opinion, I cannot stress that enough. Of course. This is my own personal opinion, is not affiliating with any of the branches that I'm serving right now. Mm-hmm. But when they're saying that, there's like, as a person who's in it, I'm like, I don't see any wokeness around here because <laughs> everyone is so unfiltered. And the only thing I can think of is sexual harassment seminars or DBAA, which means don't be an, you know, you know, yep. don't be an a-hole. Yep, basically. Yep. I don't know. Seth, that, it, it's sounding, I can't think of anything. Uh, it's sounding pretty woke to me. Uh, no, you're of course completely right. You're, you're completely right. And honestly, I think the main wokeness allegations came from when Mark Milley was saying, hey, you know, in the military, we should know what's in the culture. And so if critical race theory is something that is being studied in the culture, we in the military should at least understand what it is. It doesn't mean 
anything beyond we should just understand what it is. And that's when all of the allegations of woke general and woke military started. But as you're pointing out, uh, it, it doesn't really have any connection to the reality of what's going on. Exactly, because, again, like everyone kind of pokes fun at each other by like, well, like a lot of the things they said, a lot of race, a lot of racial stuff was in out, but definitely some sexual harassment. And we definitely have sexual harassment seminars yeah. going all the way up to the ranks. And we do have extremism in the ranks, which sure. is very popular. But that's not necessarily woke. It's just more like, hey, this is professional in the workplace. We have to be professional in the workplace. But off the clock, you can do whatever you want. And that's kind of the same thing as is the, the job. That I'm a reservist, so I work two jobs. And there's a girl that was working, and she was very unprofessional, very inappropriate. And I had to say, hey, what you're saying is inappropriate. You can't be doing that in the workplace. I don't care what you do outside. Yeah. In the workplace, it's working. And I'm sorry, but you have to give up a little bit of your rights when you work. I mean, now, you Seth, agree with that, me, right? I, 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 yes. The, no, well, it's not about giving up rights. It's about your employer can use any legal means to determine whether they want you working there. And so, like, saying we don't allow black people to work here is not a legal means. Saying we believe— exactly. That's we, kind of what I meant. That's we believe meant. the off-the-clock social media statements to be a problem. That actually is legal for employers to consider if they so choose. But that's sort of a different different discussion. Let me ask you this. It is. Um, Okay. Do you find that most of your fellow reservists are right wing or left wing or sort of split? I would say maybe around 60 percent right wing. Definitely. OK, there's definitely hardcore Trumpers in it, and that's not hiding it. Yeah, I would say around like the one I know of uh, quite a bit of liberal Marines, but we kind of kind of whisper about it. We're kind of a little kind of shut our mouths about it, you know? Okay. It's very, it's, it seems like it's very conservative, but there are other people that just kind of stay out of it or they have their own opinions or they're not that political. Do you think that the left wingers, at least that, you know, in the military are a little more cautious about expressing their views because of a concern as to how it will be received? Yes, very much so. I'm wow. probably one of the only people that, can act, what is expressing their views and I have to kind of downplay it a little bit, mm. but I'm not like scared about it. I'm not afraid of expressing my opinions if someone asked me politely and I'm fine to have a discussion. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of right wingers, but I can at least work with them. You know, I can at least tolerate them and we're we'll die for each other. Literally. That's what, you know, that's fine. I'm a, I'm in calm. So it's a little bit of difference, Yeah. but there's a lot of smart people. Like they say, Oh, Trump supporters are stupid. Not entirely the case. Their ideas, yes, but as a people in general, they're just people. They just have the they just have it switched. That's really mainly what it is. All right, Seth from San Diego. Powerful declarations. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, there goes Seth from San Diego. Let's check in next with oh oh. How about Elias from Texas? Elias, welcome. Hey, David. Hi. Yeah, your audio is already glitchy, but what's going can on? Can you today? hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, um, it is the start of Hispanic Heritage Month tomorrow. Will you teach your daughter any Hispanic traditions or teach her Spanish? How important is your Hispanic identity to you? Hold on. Hispanic Heritage Month starts in the middle of the month. Yeah. That's weird. That that doesn't really. Are you sure about that? Usually, um, it starts on the first. <laughs> yeah, month. yeah. Let's see. Hispanic yeah, it's tomorrow. Month. It start that you're completely correct. That's bizarre, but you're completely right. Yeah. Wow, Elias. Okay, I exclusively yeah. speak Spanish to my daughter, so the idea will be that she with with me oh, wow. and with my parents, she we only speak Spanish to her. Yes. Muy bien. Muy bien. <laughs> Was that your um, only question? Do you, no, I was saying, like, do you have any, like, traditions that you're also going to, like, teach her? Or? Absolutely. Well, she's going to be well-versed in the eating of Milanesa, I can assure you, uh, as oh, well as, know you know, empanadas <laughs> and all of these different things. Yes, there's going to be all sorts of traditions. Yeah. She, she's going to get the best of both worlds. She'll get the Argentinian traditions and the Jewish traditions. So, you right. know, latkes oh, and the wow. entire thing, pastrami, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so, um, 
how how important is your Hispanic identity to you? It must be pretty important since you're you're passing it down to your daughter. Absolutely. I don't want that to be lost. And you know, to some degree, I mean, yeah. listen, five generations from now, if my descendants remain in the United States, I think it will probably be lost inevitably. It's very hard to keep right, it right. Be- indefinitely. But for now, I'll do what yeah. I can. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, that, that's basically it. Thank you uh, so all right. much, David. Thank you so much. There is Elias from Texas. Always important to make every effort to pronounce people's names correctly. Let's go next to, let's try Roy from South Jersey. Roy, what's going on? Roy from South Jersey, you are on the air. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Sir, um, I have in my phone a list of topics that I'd like to discuss whenever I come on, but this is too pressing for just a, a regular list. Yeah. I went to, I'm in, I'm in Florida. Yep. Uh, and I went to a supermarket and I saw something. I saw a MyPillow store in the supermarket. Now, wait a second. Are you, that sounds more like something that would happen in Florida, but you said you're in Florida. Uh, yeah, Florida. Yeah. Oh, wow. No. OK. Uh, yeah. Well, that's in- so there's a my pillow store inside of another store. That's interesting. I was very uh, worried that they would do a class action lawsuit against me. But um, anyway, um, you know, I really like how you've challenged a lot of uh, grifters over the years like Dave Rubin. But uh, everyone <laughs> has a price. So my question to you is. Um, if say Bill Gates or Elon Musk or whoever said, I will pay you however much yep. name your price, but I want you to go on the air on your show in a, um, Tony, the tiger, uh, costume and say, I love kids menus. They're great. What would your price be? Oh, that, I mean, that's not, I thought you were going to say to like become a conservative on the air for the next decade or something like that. I mean, that sounds kind of funny. I would I would do that for, you know, I don't know, make me an offer if that's interesting. A Tony the Tiger outfit and saying that they're great that that I would uh, I would do for a lot less. And then I would take 90 percent of the money and put it back into causes I agree with. All right. Thank you. All right, Roy, I hope uh, my answers were satisfactory. There is Roy from South Jersey. Let's go next to how about John from Sacramento? John, welcome. Hey, David, can you hear me? Yes, I can. So I think every David Pakman fan's worst nightmare happened to me. Last time I called in, the mic didn't work. Mm -hmm. I was panicking frantically trying to get the buttons to work. Nothing did. So I'm elated that it works now. I share in the elation with you. (laughs) So I'm an absolute political layman, but I had this crazy idea. I wanted to run by you just to get your opinion. Please. So I looked at the Second Amendment after Uvalde, got really depressed. I was like, man, this is, what can we do? Yep. And I thought about the first part and I thought and thought and thought. And so I was outside of DMV and I was like, that's it. What if we had a department of militia regulation? Mm. And that department said, okay, we get to decide who can be in the militia. Not, I think, uh, level one, you could be hunter. So any bolt action rifle, sure, you're in the militia. You can go get that at your store. Oh, you want to move into level two? Well, that's assault <laughs> rifles. Yeah. And a 25-year-old in the militia. And then we just set that up because right now Biden's uh, not fulfilling his constitutional obligation. He's got to have that regulated militia. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on something crazy like that? Listen, Working. you're thinking too rationally. <laughs> and here's the reality. The, the, the Supreme Court has found that the Second Amendment applies to in, an individual right to, to have a firearm. So the focus on the militias, it, it's not actually relevant, unfortunately. I mean, I think it's a great idea what you're saying. I think it should be applied just more generally to gun safety regulations. But um, mm-hmm. no, if, if you if you did exactly what you're suggesting, the reaction would be to rightly say the Supreme Court already found that there is an individual right to a gun outside of any militia. We don't need to be regulated as militias. Do you think it would push another case to the Supreme Court if you tried to do that and there'd be, well, I guess with this court, I just don't think it would happen to be told. I don't want to bum you out, John, but I just don't think it would go anywhere. Uh, Well, but listen, you're thinking of the right Um, things, which are, we need to take control of the situation. We just have to find a way to do it legally. 
Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, David, I appreciate you taking my call. All right, there is John with a very important question that we are going to continue looking into. Let's go next to Paul Garcia from Mexico. Welcome, Paul. Hi, David. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Oh, okay. Uh, going to, going back to the Andrew Yang uh, third party proposal. Yeah, do you remember it? Of course. Uh, what would you like to see? What would impress you from a third party? Well, I would like to see a third party that's to the left of the Democratic Party, but not made up of people who are cuckoo for cocoa puffs like the Green Party. That's what I would like to see. I would like to see an actual socially democratic party that's to the left of the Democratic Party. Could could they be like um, if if the third party got power, you know, in the in the U.S. Yes, I don't know the Senate or something in in the future, right? Yep. Could they do like uh, direct voting on on issues, like you know, because he talk about general consensus is and, and and stuff like that, right? Yeah, Adrian, and so could they both pass like, do you want this or that? and take about nationalism. Well, that's not really a question about third parties. It's just a question of how our political system works. I mean, are you saying if you had members of this imaginary third party in the Senate, is that what you're saying? Yeah, could could they be could they do that bigger reform or is if it they just... were in the Senate, they would get a vote. I mean, I, I think I might be misunderstanding your question, but wherever these third party candidates were elected, they would be able to vote and influence policy, whether it's the House or the Senate or if you had a governor or whatever the case may be. I, I, I apologize if I'm misunderstanding the question. No, I, I think you're getting it right. Just okay. I think it would be like a constitutional change, I guess. My question. Yeah, the, the constitutional change might be required to get the third parties elected the way things are going. But I have said I have clips about how third parties could could make inroads. But that's its own complicated reality as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Paul. Where, what part of Mexico are you in? Uh, Chihuahua. La- last time I was I was here, I told you it was kind of getting chilly. Yeah. And you were like, uh, how cold is it? And I was like, uh, I don't know, minus five or something. And you said like, well, that's re- barely getting cold. But have you ever been in a dry, cold air? Dry, cold air. I, I, I guess. I don't know. The sensation is completely different here in the cold. I know you, you in uh, near New York, right? Yeah. So you, you get really cold winters. Yes. But, but I've been in the U.S. in uh, humid regions in minus seventeen. Um, Celsius yes. feels like um, minus 10 here, I swear. Well, I believe it. I believe it. What's the elevation where you are? Do you know? Uh, it's around 2,000 meters. 2,000 meters. Oh, wow. That's, and you're, yeah. are you completely acclimated to it? It, it, you, it feels fine? No headaches? Nothing? Uh, I, I'm from a small town. I live now in a city. Here is like 1,400. 1, My town is 2,200. 2,200. So it's, it's, it feels the change. You feel it when you go back and forth. I bet. I bet. All right, Paul. Well, thank you for the call. Thank you too. All right. A beautiful phone call from our friendly neighbors to the South in Mexico, where I hope to return very, very soon. Folks, that does it for calls today. My apologies. I throw myself at the mercy of those who I was unable to get to, but I can assure you, If I have anything to say about it, and I believe I do, we will take calls again and I will speak to you next week. But we're just going to take a quick break and then the show continues. Don't forget that the best way to support the David Pakman show is by becoming a member, which gives you access to the daily bonus show, the regular show with no commercials. You also get access to our entire archive of every episode dating back a really long time and plenty of other awesome membership perks. Go to joinpacman.com and use the coupon code better 21 for a huge discount. Joinpacman.com. 
All right, let's get into our mailbag. It's the Friday mailbag. You can email info at davidpackman.com if you have a question, comment, concern, anything you want to uh, demand a correction for. Occasionally, we will grab a comment from YouTube or sometimes Facebook or sometimes a tweet or whatever the case may be. Uh, let's get right into it, as we often do, starting with some criticisms, which is fine. DL or Patrick, I don't know, wrote in and says Biden should be in jail. Family corrupt over 40 years. Where have you been? Maybe you haven't been around long enough. Please read all info on Biden's laptop. Both dad and son should be in prison for all their dealings with China, Ukraine and other countries. They have made millions from money laundering. I know you know this with a question mark. This is the type of person where we just need. There's not enough time between now and the election to talk sense into someone like this. So my advice from a voting standpoint is we just have to find two new voters to cancel out this guy's vote. I mean, one, I guess, to cancel it out, but then a second one to actually make some progress. I don't see how someone who is in such a fantasy world that their one contact with me is to tell me how everything about my perspective is wrong because it lacks the stuff from the Biden laptop and Biden and Hunter should be in prison. That I don't think we have the, the time capacity to just argue and change these people's minds. If you think there's some way to fix these folks brains, let me know. But I think it's much simpler to register people to vote and to uh, cancel out their votes. Next message is from Kara. Kara wrote in and said, you're a effing Nazi beta boy. Well, I'm Jewish, so I don't know what you mean by Nazi, but my family fled the Nazis. Kara goes on. There are hundreds of millions of Trumpies who will make sure your voice is silenced on social media as ours have been. Who the F are you? Well, if you don't even know who I am, why is it important that hundreds and millions, hundreds of millions of Trumpies silence me? If I'm so insignificant that Kara has not heard of me, I don't know why anyone would need to waste any time silencing me. By the way, it's really interesting how the, the delusions seem to spread virally. And what I mean by that is recently Trump pulled this idea that there's hundreds of millions of MAGA people at his last rally. Trump said something like, oh, there were the 75 million who voted for me, plus another 150 million, probably like so there. So Trump believes that there's 225 million Trumpists um, in the United States. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Number of adults in USA 2022. Uh, what are the number of adults? I actually can't find that. Anyway, the point is 225 million magats is like it's got to be close to every adult. I don't know how, what percentage of the population is under 18, but it's got to be 20 percent or, or, or more. Anyway, as usual, as is the case with these people, the numbers never add up. The numbers never add up. Thank you, Kara. I appreciate that. OK, Mike wrote in again asking about these spam messages that he's getting. Mike says, I've received this message a couple of times in response to comments made on Dave Pakman YouTube clips. Question is scam or legit? I don't use WhatsApp, but I am curious. And it's one of these messages where the user has my uh, picture as their profile picture and it says, write me. I know that this is a disappointment to some in the audience. Some people will write to me and say, David, I was so excited that you wanted to hear more from me about my view on, you know, Hillary Clinton or whatever, that I tried writing you on WhatsApp like you told me. I am not asking anyone to text me or to WhatsApp me or anything. These are scammers. Report them to YouTube. We are doing everything we can to get this scourge, as Trump would like to say off of YouTube. As far as I know, no one's been scammed so far, but eventually they will ask you for money. That's the scam. And at some point I'll do an expose bigger picture on, on the full scam. But no, I'm not WhatsApping anybody. I'm not texting anybody. I don't want you to text or WhatsApp me. It is a scam. Do not fall for it. Jaden noticed an anomaly on our 
uh, social blade page, which tracks our YouTube channel. Jaden said, David, sir, I was looking at the social blade for your YouTube channel and I noticed it has a graph of your subscriber increases. I have tears in my eyes as I tell you that it appears that the machines have been dumping you subscribers of 10,000 every couple of weeks. There are huge gaps and irregularities that cannot be explained. Please, sir, we need pillow on the show so he can explain how the machines did this. Yeah, you know, a few people have written to me and they said, David, is there a scam going on with your subscribers? Because it, you get none for days and then suddenly 10,000 in one day. Let me explain. On YouTube, once you get to a million subscribers, uh, the uh, algorithm shifts into tracking them in tens of thousands. So like when you look at our YouTube channel, it'll say one point four seven million subscribers and then it'll go to one point four eight. So it tracks them in ten thousand increments when that is the case. Social Blade does the same thing. So in reality, we get like six hundred subscribers a day, but it only updates now every ten thousand. No scam going on. Check any channel above a million subscribers and you will see it's the same. Michael wrote in. Michael says, David, I sincerely want to thank you for the public service you do in showing the liars and hypocrites on your show. I think it's very necessary, but I can't bear to watch some of the outrageous clips you show. So I mute the sound and just listen to your commentary to learn what nonsense was said. You must have a great deal of self-control to be able to listen to Trump and the MAGA's day in and day out. Well, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I've talked about this before. There is a desensitization that happens when you do what I do, where because outrageous things happen so often, they start to seem less outrageous. And that's why it's good, number one, to take time away from this stuff. And number two, to talk to people from different places. So when I talk to family of mine from other countries or even when foreign callers call in or when I read articles about American politics from other countries, it's always good to have sort of your sensibilities reset because it's nuts here. This MAGA right wing authoritarian wannabe fascist movement that is written about here by Michael. These people are genuinely dangerous and it's also not typical. It's really not typical, and it's good to get that perspective from other countries. Daniel wrote in about Mike Pillow and says, David, do you really think it's appropriate to have Mike Lindell on your show again? After his manic episode on Facebook, it's clear Mike is unwell. Inviting him on again almost seems wrong, like we're making fun of someone who needs a doctor. Anyway, just a thought. Let me know what you think. Daniel from Indiana says, don't have Pillow on because he's, he's mentally ill. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know that we know that. And honestly, probably like 20 percent of our guests are mentally ill by some definition. I don't know. I don't know what the standard should be. It's a tough one, but I'm willing to hear from people in the audience. Aaron wrote in and uh, writes in about CNN's right turn. Aaron says, hi, David, I'm a progressive, possibly a little to your left on some issues. But I have to say that I'm not scandalized by CNN's decision to drop the big lie moniker, even though it's very clearly a big lie. Don't you agree that the term sounds quite editorialistic for a new segment? I'm not convinced that a commitment to more neutral language is, in fact, a turn to the right. No, listen, on the CNN right turn, it's no one thing. It's not, oh, we're dropping the big lie alone. It's a combination of things, including statements made by the new CEO or president, whatever he calls himself. Um, the big lie thing is one element changes to staffing. It's a lot of different things. Recent comments from anchors. I would never make the case that just based on not using the term big lie anymore, CNN is now Fox News. That wouldn't be uh, accurate. It's not what I believe. But uh, go back to the segment I did on it, and it's a much bigger picture issue than that. Rodney wrote in about abortion and said, hello, should a registered or voting Republican be allowed to get an abortion in the United States? I get the point of this question. If you vote against abortion being legal by voting for elected officials who will try to make it illegal, should you be allowed to get an abortion? It is so outside of any legal framework to deny abortions based on how people vote that my opinion is here's the, here's my thought, Rodney. OK, and, and I really appreciate the message. 
I get why you're asking the question. It's a losing direction to go in saying, okay, make abortions illegal for Republicans because they want it to be. We're we're almost as bad in saying deny a legal medical procedure to people. Right. And so, no, I don't think that that's a good idea at all. Gabriella wrote in about Democrats, quote, winning, and, and she makes a good point. Gabriella says, hello, sir. My dad used to tell me when I would ask who's winning during any sports game. Well, no one wins until the end. They're only ahead for now. I thought this might be relevant to your recent clip on Democrats leading across the country, albeit not by enough. They're ahead for now, but it's up to voters to help them win. A hundred percent correct. And this is why every time we look at 2022 polling numbers, Senate forecast, House forecast, I always say this is where we are right now. There are things not yet reflected in the polls. Everyone must vote. Everyone must vote. And I hope that you will. And uh, we're starting to get down to the wire. If you have never voted before, at least Google voter registration deadline in your state and understand when can you register? Can you register same day? It's very important to know that. And I hope every single one of you votes. All right. Monday, 919. David Pakman show membership special. We're going to be blowing out memberships at rates never seen before at a huge discount. The theme is 919. That's the date. If you would like to be notified about this membership special, you need only get on my newsletter at davidpackman.com. We'll see you on the bonus show and back here on Monday.